0: let's get started. Um, Thank you to the the warm welcome that Mr. Cha gave me um, and thanks for being willing to have me as the guest speaker tonight. Um, You know Mr. Cha is not actually an easy act to follow. He's a pretty good speaker so I've seen him speak here I think now three times so makes me a little nervous coming after But that's okay. Uh, He'd asked me to speak on sort of this ongoing series about new uh, There was new life and some other news as well. So I want to talk today about as you can see behind me new Authority now I chose a passage that doesn't actually say authority So this could be an all-time classic blooper, but I think I think we'll find it there Uh, to start off though You will note this is actually, it's a bit of a long passage. It's actually the whole chapter. So this could be another classic blooper, but what I would actually like to do is one by one, verse by verse, read through this together. Yes, this will take a couple minutes. I'm willing to spend the time that way. I think it'll be good. So we'll start with Mr. Maxwell. And just like a good draft, we'll snake around the room one verse at a time we'll all get probably two verses yeah probably by the end we'll we'll each have two verses so we all we all understand we're gonna start with mr. Maxwell and start snaking around the room so I think we'll end uh snake snake yeah we'll end in that corner and then we'll resume Okay, can we do it y'all? Can we make it happen? Alright, Mr. Maxwell Oh no. John chapter six verse one. Can't see it? Alright, ready this Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberius. And a large crowd was following him, because he, they saw the signs that he was doing to the, doing on the sick. Jesus went up to the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the peaks of the Jews, was at hand. Pusting up his eyes then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming for him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread, so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place so the men sat down, about five thousand in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told the disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with frag- fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who were eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is not to, to the prophet who is to come into the world. <coughs> Perceiving then that they were about to come, and take them by force to the kicking Jesus withdrew again to the mountain When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. it was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. And there rode about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. <coughs> <laughs> okay. so they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was on at the land to which they were going. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had, oh, there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given it. So in the that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples. They themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of food. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him... God the Father has set his seal. And well, they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him. And he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do, that we may see and believe? What work do you perform? Our Father is able matter <laughs> in the wilderness. As it is written, <clears throat> He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, It was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, But my Father gave you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven who gives life to the They said to him, "Sir, give us this bread of He said to them, "I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For, for I have come down from heaven." Not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given to me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes out from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone, if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The being among themselves, How can this man his flesh? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I see you. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. My flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever be body, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not the bread of the fathers ate Whoever feeds on this bread may live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying, Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? Um, he is the spirit of your The flesh is not held by me. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit of me. But there are some of you who do not believe. And Jesus knew from the beginning, who do word? who did not believe, and who, it was? who would betray him. Mm-hmm. And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless you are granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the Do you want to go away? Simon mean, Peter answered him, Lord, if shall we go? you have the words of the eternal life, and we have for you, and have for you to know, that you are the only word of God. Jesus answered them, Do they not choose you, twelve? And yet, what have you done? He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, is for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Okay, that was great. I should just stop there and it'd be a perfect sermon, but I, I'll, I'll keep going. Uh, So this is probably a fairly well-known passage in a lot of ways, at least to the incidents, you're probably like, oh yeah, Jesus feeding the 5,000, oh yeah, walking on water, Mr. Pash, I know this. Um, In my sort of thinking, I think this is really a story in four acts. Now me, myself, in high school, my main activity I did, I did acting. Plays, musicals, oh yeah! started in the third grade. I think I did maybe 16 or 17 productions by the time I graduated. I know you're dying to see the glow down, but. Yeah, in the center, that is uh, Kyle Pash playing Pinocchio. uh, In the fourth grade. On the right is me being Peter Pan. Don't worry, I kept the outfit. I I wore it a few years later for uh, Halloween. Uh, And on the far left is a dramatic retelling of Romeo and Juliet. That hair is, that's totally natural. That's no wig. That's no wig. That's just normal, natural. that's right (laughs) took me a long time to grow up I haven't done it yet okay Uh, so so when I read the story it seems natural to me it's it's in four acts right it's in four acts Uh, and so I kind of want to go through them one at a time so the first one is well known the feeding of the 5,000 now there's no you know Mr. Cha makes great notes every day or every week when we do this, I don't have any notes. But I am gonna point some things out in the text. So if you want, if you have a pen, you can make some annotations, you can underline the circle as we go along, and I'll try to point some things out. Maybe you heard, maybe you picked up on, or maybe uh, will kind of pop out from the text. So if you have a pen, great, let's go. So feeding the 5,000, it's a well-known miracle. And I wanna ask you, can you hear Can you hear the resonance or the overtones of the Exodus? Okay, so if you're looking at it, hopefully you're thinking, okay, Exodus, where do I see Exodus? Uh, You might notice that John already tells us the timing of this. When is this taking place? The Passover is at hand, very good. So it's the time of the Passover. They're coming up to him as on a mountain, almost as if he is Mount Zion. They're coming up to him. And if you read sort of the, the other Gospels, Luke and, and Matthew, uh, Luke says that this is a desolate place, kind of like a, a wilderness, which is why they can't find any bread there. There's nowhere to go. There's no close villages. So that when they get hungry, they can't just say, Mr. Cha, Go down to the Peony Jum, get us something for the, uh, what do you call it when they lose? Defeat? Punishment. Punishment. Thank you. Get us something for the punishment. They can't just do that. Hence why Jesus feeds them in the wilderness. Again, Exodus. Now, you'll note the people themselves in verse 14, they hear Moses themselves. They say, this is the prophet who is to come into the world, thinking about what Moses had said in Deuteronomy 18. So, in this whole, this whole narrative, I want you to read it and think, Exodus, 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 Exodus. It's Passover. He's going to feed them in the wilderness. They even think Moses as well. You'll note this act ends when they want to do what? They want to make Jesus king, right? This is our new Moses figure. He was a leader. Here's Jesus, king. Thus ends act one act two you'll note this picks up right away in verse 16 the disciples go down to the sea they set sail jesus by himself he eventually goes and meets them walking on the water okay well-known miracle can you hear the exodus in it just think for a second can you hear the exodus in this So actually, this miracle draws from a lot of different places, but if you think Exodus, you'll know that Moses led them through the the waters, the waters of the Red Sea. He brought them safely through the seas, though when Pharaoh and his army came through, they are destroyed, but Moses leads them safely through the waters. So Jesus, though they're in the storm, he walks, he comes aboard, takes them safely to their place. But there's actually another Exodus reference here, when Jesus comes in the boat, he says, This is verse 20, uh, but he said to them, It is I, it is I. So the Greek phrase there, egoemi, uh in other places in John, it can also be translated, I am, right? I am. So you also have this Exodus echo of the burning bush. Right? That's where Moses goes, he meets God, and God says, I am. Has sent to you. I am who I am. So once again Jesus goes, walks, says I am. Now when you read this, the parallel passage of Matthew, what do the disciples do? They worship. They Actually they worship there. So already act two, we've seen two different identities for Jesus. The people say he's a prophet, we should make him a king. The disciples understand somewhat, we know that they miss this all the time, but they understand somewhat I am, He let us safely worship. Act three. So this is uh, this is a long, dense, deep, rich passage that I just can't get into all the aspects because as you read yourself, there's a lot, there's a lot going on there. But here we see the crowd the next day, they don't know where Jesus is. They get on boats, they cross the Sea of Galilee, also looking for Jesus. He's in Capernaum. That's sort of his base of operations in the synagogue teaching. And they have this long sermon and discussion on Jesus being the bread of life. Now once again, even if you just take a moment and look through, you can probably pick up that they are thinking Exodus as well. They reference manna. Our fathers ate manna. Jesus says, your fathers ate manna. They agree on the manna, right? They saw the sign where Jesus gave them bread, and they're all thinking Exodus. Everyone's thinking Exodus. But then Jesus takes the, takes the conversation in a different direction, right? They came, he said, you came because you were fed. You saw this sign, so you came looking for more. You saw the bread that I gave you, But then he turns it to himself and says, I am the, did you guys pick it up anywhere? I am the, if you don't, it's it's on the screen as well, so it's okay. Wow, great, okay. Uh, I am the, I'm the bread of life. And he tries to draw the discussion back towards himself, right? And as soon as he does that, the people take offense, now I'm gonna draw you to a verse so you can see it a little more clearly. In verse thirty-three, I'm sorry, thirty-four, after he's told them he is the you know, the true bread is the one who comes down from heaven, they said, Sir, give us this bread always. Thirty-five, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, whoever believes in me shall never thirst. As you skip your eyes down to verse forty one. What do the Jews do, those listening in the synagogue? They grumble. Once again, you should think, Exodus. They're in the wilderness. Moses is taking them out. They went through the Red Sea. Manna is being given, and yet they grumble. They grumble before Mount Sinai. They grumble after Mount Sinai. They grumble, grumble, grumble the entire wilderness day. That's a feature of the Exodus. They grumble. So here again, they grumble. Verse 41, so the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I've come down from heaven? Basically, we know this guy. We, this, we know his mom and dad. How can you say you came down from heaven? Who are you? You're, we know you. Now note here the contrast, right? Earlier they want to make him? Earlier they want to make him king. king. Now he says, actually, you think I'm king? I came down from heaven. You, you're thinking about the manna that Moses gave you. I am the bread of life. I'm the one who came down from heaven. Now they take exception. Who the heck do you think you are? We know your parents. You're a hometown boy, right? Who are you? So once again you have that manna connection, they grumble connection. As it, the dialogue continues, it gets more heated, so they go from grumbling to quarreling, they argue amongst themselves. And then Act three ends in verse fifty nine, where it said, Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. So act one, Jesus in the crowd. Act two, Jesus and his disciples. Act three, in the synagogue. Now act four, the action goes back again to Jesus and his disciples. See that nice? It's like an A, B, A, B pattern, right? And when the disciples hear about this, I'm going to pick that up in verse 60. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing himself that his disciples were, grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Which is actually, that's pretty funny when you actually think about it. you offended? you mad, bro? Are you, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? What if you saw me back where I was in heaven? Do you take offense then? If you, if you saw not just this, Homeless Jewish preacher, but if you saw me in glory on the throne where I was with my father, what would you say then? Verse 66, in the aftermath of this, after this, many of the disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? So in the aftermath of this teaching, he's alienated the crowd, he's confused the crowd, and now even his disciples are they're confused as well. And many of them say, I don't get it, this is hard, I'm done. The only people who stand out in this narrative as being different, we see in verse 68 epitomized by Simon Peter, who answered Jesus, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. That is the only counter to all the grumbling, complaining, and leaving. Listen again. To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have believed, have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So for those who grasp Jesus' identity, they also can accept Jesus' authority. But for the, for the crowd and for some of the disciples, they couldn't accept Jesus' authority because they stumbled over his identity. You say you're the bread of life? Can't accept that. Can't accept that. So I can't accept your teaching. OK, so none of us, you know, we don't usually probably think Exodus because we're not in Palestine, you know, 2,000 years ago. But we too, we too feel the friction of Jesus' teaching and Jesus' authority because it runs into things that we find countercultural. So I'm, I'm dressed today. You know, I don't always wear flannel. Uh, you may think, you know. But I don't always wear flannel, I wore it today because it represents one of the different authorities that Jesus' teaching runs into, right? It runs into our upbringing. I'm I'm from a small town, 1,500 people. That's the town. The first apartment complex I lived in in Korea had more people than my hometown, right? Uh, There are more, probably, more cows than people in my hometown. The biggest thing is called Mooville. It's a Dairy Creamery, right? It's one of the best places for ice cream in the state of Michigan. Okay, so in my upbringing, there's a lot of things that were said that runs against Jesus' authority. don't be radical in following Jesus. Follow Jesus, keep quiet, just kind of do your own thing. As my mom would say, my mom's lovely, but she would say, a quiet and dignified life, right? Which meant don't share anything with anyone. (laughs) A cardinal rule in the Midwest: Don't talk. Do you guys know this is like an American thing? But don't talk religion and politics. Don't do it. Right? Uh, Be be nice. Keep to yourself. Right? That's my upbringing. But that does not work with Jesus' teaching or his authority. It just doesn't go well together. So I could cling to that authority, and I could cling to this. Identity or I have layers (laughs) (laughs) or I can let it go and cling to Jesus. Okay, the next shirt, America, right? So this, these are, these are, this is the authority of my, my culture, the politics, right? Rugged individualism, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, bootstraps right? God helps those who help themselves, right? Uh, yeah, that just doesn't work very well with the New Testament at all. Because God literally only helps people who can't help themselves and who know they can't help themselves. The whole idea that I'm my own person, I make my own destiny, I'm the master of my soul, totally against everything in the Bible. Where God creates me, God gives me identity, that's who I am. So I I can accept the authority of my culture and I can wrap myself up in that identity, just like the shirt. or or I can take it off and cling to Jesus authority and his identity this third shirt so this represents right uh, learning the intelligentsia sort of that cultural power that every culture has where you want to you want to be culturally accepted you want to feel like you fit in you want to do what 's in the us you'd say politically correct you don 't want to you know stand out in a negative way so if the wise people in your society say something you want to nod your head yes yes right so if the wise people in your society in this case <laughs> in this case, uh, this is the university I went to for my master's, University of Bath, or Bath. Yeah. <sighs> okay, uh, so if, they, if the wise in your society say, you can't trust the Bible, that's stupid. Prayer is superstition. Only idiots would think this. And that is often exactly what's communicated. It is often exactly what's communicated. Uh, only idiots would, would think this, right? So I can accept that authority and I can make that my identity. I am a smart person. I am educated. I read books, no, I do read books, but I mean, I read books, <laughs> right? And I accept anything said by the wise. If they say, whatever you do on your own, if it doesn't hurt anyone, it doesn't matter. I could accept that. I could say, when it comes to family or gender or things like that, whatever we say is the truth. You could accept that. You could accept their authority and wrap yourself up in that identity. Or. Or you could cling to Jesus' authority and wrap yourself up in his identity. Now this is just a white shirt, okay? There's no significance <laughs> here. It's just what I was wearing, okay? You have to forgive an actor for doing a costume change. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't help myself. But those who grasp Jesus' authority, like Peter, they can also grasp his identity and they can also understand who he is. Now Jesus here, how does he use? So just imagine that you're all in agreement with me, just suspend disbelief if need be, that Jesus is the one who came down from heaven. Jesus is the one who gives his life for the world. Jesus does have this authority. How does he use his authority here? How does he use it? You'll notice he uses it to tell them If you would, skip with me. Turn your eyes to verse verse 35. Jesus has authority. How does he use it? Verse 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Now do whatever the heck I tell you to do. I'm the bread of life. I'm the boss. Serve me. Jesus said to them, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Keep going, if you would. Verse 38. For I have come down from heaven to boss people. No, okay. Not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I'll raise him up on the last day. So those who grasp Jesus' identity, who accept his authority, what do they get? They get life. They get life. That's the whole point of why he uses bread, right? It's what you need to live. He pushes that point strongly, right? too strong that they couldn't understand the metaphor from what was literal so jesus is not literally bread not literally but in the same way that bread nourishes you take it in it's what gives you life and energy it's what sustains you that is jesus that's the life that jesus brings you'll note as he uh continues if i can find the correct page If you would, as he continues into the dialogue, turn with me, look with me on verse 56, if you would. See how Jesus uses this metaphor. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. The metaphor of bread, just like when you eat something, you know, the the old saying, you are what you eat, it's kind of true, right? But the idea that I'm taking something in, It's sustaining me. It's nourishing me. It's giving me life. That is the metaphor for what it means to believe in Jesus. You're united. You're taking him in by faith. And there is your life. So I want you to think in your life, I presented three different types of authority that all vie for, that come up against, that have friction with Jesus' authority. In your life, whose authority do you accept? If the people around you say, this is, what, this is what is normal life. Sleep four hours, that's normal. Right? Pursue your own goals exclusively to the utter limit, that's normal. Cheating, as long as you don't get caught, that's whatever. Gossip doesn't hurt as long as you don't you know, know about it. All those messages from our culture, our politics, family, upbringing, whose authority do you accept? When you accept that authority, that also becomes your identity. That can be your identity, I'm this, I'm this. For myself, I could just say, America, man, right? I live in this culture, this is me, this is who I am. What they say, this becomes my identity. But the reverse is true as well. When we see Jesus' identity, when we accept his authority, then that in turn becomes our identity, which is why people are called Christians, because we wrap ourselves up in that identity. Now, I want to end this, but first, I want to say specifically to the seniors, right, is you go off seven weeks, is it? I think it's seven, I think it's seven weeks. Right? As you go off in seven weeks, a lot of the the culture and the context around you is gonna change. If your experience is like mine, you may find that a lot of people who in this environment, in this environment, they're Christian. But as they go on, they may say, Oh man, Jesus, this is a hard teaching. Who can hear it? This is hard teaching. What Jesus says about My career. What Jesus says about my life. The demands that Jesus has. They're for life. They're to give you life. They're meant for your life. But you may find many people want to walk away. They say, this is hard. Who can can do this? I want to end with what Peter says. Lord, to whom shall we go? What culture, what nation, what people... Where should we go? Where else are we going to find the words of eternal life? Where else will we see the Holy One? Where else can we go? There is no other place. This is the place for life. In particular, seniors, as you go, let these words sink in deep as you head out.